Oh, you caught me by surprise. High atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is Alpha Mike transmitting from the mountainous regions of Florida. Today, episode 140, Don Vito. Back on a Wise Guy series, we're going to mob it up a little bit. We haven't done this in a while. We've been on pandemic mode, so we're bringing it back. And as I said uh, a couple of episodes ago, each one of these episodes are interlinked, creating an era of the mob of power. So today we're going to start with episode 140, and we will discuss Don Vito. But of course, we have a lot to talk about you I was listening to uh, the song of the week, which is Elvis. Elvis, Elvis, this is the month of Elvis and um, Kentucky rain. But a little bit more on that as we get towards the end. As always, if you want to get in contact with us, you can through RaiderCopNation.com. Our um, website is a little bit more advanced every day. We are now converting our Raider Cop store that's being um, configured as we speak. And so a lot more variety uh, slowly coming together. Of course, you can also contact us not only through our website, Raider Cop Nation, but you can also go to the social network, Twitter, Parlor, and Facebook. All have the same handle. And that is at Raider Cop Nation. It's that easy. So you can catch us there and also uh, make contact with us. We also now just came on a new platform. We tried the, uh, I forget what, whatever the hell the name of it was, the one with the, the yellow logo. Let me take a look at my phone. I forget these things. When you're elderly, you're not into... Uh, the most advanced uh, nonsense in America, Snapchat. Now, that went out the window. We didn't like that at all. And so we're trying now TikTok talk. And uh, our handle, you never guess it, Raider Cop Nation. So we're uh, 
we're, we're starting to become more and more involved in millennial issues, scary as it sounds. Um, and something else, uh, you can meet my co-host on Raider Cop Tube. And Raider Cop Tube will start in 2021. It will be based, a video-based a television from YouTube and we're going to come out with the co-host Milo and to see more of who my young little co-host is that is four months old today he will be training for this YouTube episodes that we're going to be doing for one year and you can go to his Instagram yeah, that's right buddy has his own Instagram in four months and that's day with Milo and you can uh, uh, make contact with them there. Also on uh, TikTok or whatever that thing is, there's a couple of videos that we love to poke fun of uh, our little co-host. But he's in training. So training is uh, difficult at best and uh, insightful. A, it is a... Australian Shepherd, which is a different breed from other dogs. And I'll give you an example. I've had dogs before, and dogs usually look at the prey. And, you know, I play a variety of training games with him, and they usually look at whatever object you have, whether it's a ball, a stick, or whatever you're holding. That's where they concentrate their efforts but these dogs Australian Shepherds will make eye contact with you and the eye contact is uh, a little bit uh, deceiving because you believe that they're not paying attention to the object but they are they have two color sets of eyes and it is an intimidating mask that they have uh uh, as I call it, a mask with their spotted face and their colored eyes. And the eye contact issue is to intimidate. And so I've learned that that's what they look at. They really don't look at the object. They, they, they have a visual of the object. But they're a different type of breed and they do different things, but... Uh, so it's been a little bit uh, adventurous for me as well. So more on that, well, you can see uh, Day with Milo on Instagram. Contact, uh, make contact with him there and see our little youngster as he grows up. Uh, as always, we are uh, on Test Everything 1521, but now our programs, now for the new listeners, the Word of the Week is always the Word of God. It's a brief little uh, Bible verse that I'll read. But the in-depth explanation of what I've read will follow up on another podcast called Test Everything 1521. If you want to get in contact with us there, you can go to RaiderCopNation.com and there's a section that says Test Everything. <clears throat> and you can see it from there. And, uh, but now we have an automatic loading. So over the weekend, I spent uh, some quality time producing about five of those episodes. Remember, they were 15 minutes or less. And we threw them on there. And a great little 
on Buzzsprout, they have a little feed thing that you could just put it on a timer and uh, it goes out automatically and it doesn't interfere with our allotted time, which is uh, on a free schedule. And that's why a lot of times uh, we weren't doing it on a Wednesday. As we said, we're going to load it up on a Wednesday. But we, when you go to load it up, they said, oh, you know, you didn't have enough time. You had to wait a week or whatever it was. But now with this automatic uh, automatic calendar uh, issue they have, it makes life easier for everybody. So we'll test everything. 1521 will be on every Wednesday night. And why? how do I know I'm so sure of that? Because I'm not doing it. It's already been done. <laughs> Love it. So without any further ado, we're going to hit the word of the week. From the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's it. Short and sweet. Pray without ceasing. Of course, if you want to know why we read that small little verse, Where's the explanation? Where is it? What is all that about? Well, you can listen to Test Everything 1521. We'll launch out the same day as this one on, on Wednesday. Uh, what is it? Uh, 20, 20? Yeah, 20. May 20th. And when it goes out, it goes out in the evening time. You can go to RadioCopNation.com, look up Test Everything, hit that button, and you can see all our uh podcasts that are there they last 90 days and then they disappear but we know even though that the podcast <clears throat> disappears the word of god continues forever so pray without ceasing and i'll explain that in it's an entirety uh, 15 minutes or less on test everything so we've got a lot we got to talk about I mean, we want to get the clowns out, but before we get the clowns, we're going to take a little break. And I want to talk to you about some things. We live in a lot of troubled times today where maintenance on your gun is important. Making sure that it does what it's supposed to do when it comes out of that holster. No doubt about it. That reliability has to be there. And that weapon needs to be on the top of its game. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the person that did it for me during my career that kept me safe. It was Pistol Pete, the gunsmith. Gunsmith uh, down in Miami for a multitude of officers for many, many years Today, Pistol Pete is in business doing gunsmithing and making 
thousands upon thousands of customers totally happy. Whatever your gun looks like, whatever ailment it has, Pistol Pete, the gunsmith, can fix it. There's nothing like when you go for that weapon that you know it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Upgrade, barrels, trigger, whatever you got to do with it, Pistol Pete can do it. And if you don't live in Florida or Miami and you need to um, mail it to them, it's easy, very easy. FLL to FLL and Pistol Pete has a little thing on his website and he'll explain how it's done. It's a simple process. The quality of what you're going to get, well worth it. So Pistol Pete, the gunsmith. All right. That was a little pause. That was a little break, and we're going to start up the clowns. We're going to get uh, the buses ready because we got a lot of topic to talk about. Episode 140, Don Vito. Episode 140, Don Vito, as we start up our Wise Guy episode series in 2020, we were on pandemic mode, but now we're not. Now remember, whenever we do a Wise Guy series, we always start with a point of reference that our first date in history is 1931. Because if I go prior to that, it becomes very confusing. Black hand, what are you talking about? This and that. So a point of reference is 1931, which is the year that the commission was created. There's where everything was organized, and we will always have that as a reference point. Every once in a while, and I might even do it today, I might talk about a little bit about an event or something. Uh, prior to 1931. But that's always going to be our starting point. So, uh, Vito's birthplace, so Vito was born in 19, excuse me, 1897, November 21st in Tofino, Italy. And there shortly came over as a teenager to America and he started his life of crime as many young Italians of the era they were prone to maybe having a relative or people that they knew that were involved in criminal activity that was organized Well, Vito was no different from anybody else. Uh, 
and um, he started getting involved with uh, criminal elements. He got a, an arrest here and an arrest there for baloney type of stuff. I believe as a juvenile, he did a year, maybe 17 or 16. He did a year in juvenile and then got released. So he definitely got picked up by the eye of a lot of criminal enterprises of the time. And he was associated with the, with Joe the Boss Masseria and the Masseria family. And again, that is going to be a reference prior to 1931. From the elements of that family, there's later going to be a war with a guy by the name of Salvatore Maranzano. And the spoils of that war, they both end up losing. Of course, Masseria loses first, and, and then everybody switches over to Maranzano, and then they kill Maranzano. And Lucky Luciano takes over, and he creates the commission, the five families. And that's 1931. So that's a point of reference. So the, the uh, Joe Labos Masaria's family is going to be an offshoot of what we're talking about today, which is uh, the Genovese family. And uh, he, he grows up in the life of the LCN, and mostly because that of an enforcer. And mob associates... Uh, usually as how they start and they could have a specific task uh, running a card game uh, Shylocking or whatever they might be in charge of or dealing with and then they start um, becoming either earners or enforcers very seldom both but there are rarities and Vito was definitely uh on two folds. Number one, as the enforcer, and number two, he was just taking over whatever racket he wanted, so it became an earner. He also got to the eye of Luciano, which, as soon as everything was organized in 31, brought him to the fold as the underboss of the Luciano family. And there, uh, very early on. But in uh, Vito's rise, he had, of course, uh, enemies and people he didn't like. And uh, he had one occasion, and back in 1934, with an individual by the name of Ferdinand Bolsa. And uh, what this was, was a plot between uh, some members of his crew that they were going to uh, rob a wealthy gambler of $150,000. That's a whole lot of money back in that era. And, uh, and it was part of a, a card, uh, high-stake cards game. And uh, this guy, Bossier, started, you know, nagging him about his cut. You know, I, I want my piece, I, you know, this and that. So, not to deal with him, he eliminated him. But he eliminated him with four witnesses that were in his crew. And 
shortly after, in 1937, the cops had sort of gotten to some of the people in the crew unrelated to the murder, and he feared that they were going to drop dimes, so he fled. And uh, so Vito heads out of there as fast as his feet could take him back to the motherland where he has a, he starts up a good relationship with Benito Mussolini. Now, he didn't go empty-handed either. He went and he took a briefcase and he filled it up with about $500,000. You're talking about the 1937. So $500,000 gets you a lot of favors. And that's a lot of money. And during the era of World War II, Vito was involved in the black market, working with the United States Army, transporting all kinds of um, equipment and supply that the U.S. Army would need. And he was always there, friendly face, and always got tipped handsomely for his efforts. Of course, he was also arrested by the United States Army after the war for stealing from the Army. And uh, they were going to try him, but just prior to that, uh, there was an arrest warrant that came out from New York City. And uh, so the Army decided to drop their charges that they had on him and just send him back to New York so he could face... Uh, charges for murder, and that would be the murder of 1934 that we spoke about uh, with the issue with the uh, four witnesses. So when uh, Vito comes back, he immediately um, puts together his defense team. Now, most people would put together a defense team with a bunch of lawyers, but he didn't. He put his defense team with a bunch of killers because he was known to be an enforcer. So one of the witnesses was in jail at the time. His name was Peter Latempa, and he was found dead in his jail cell. Now, the coroner said that Peter Latempa had so much poison in him that it could have killed easily 10 horses. He was really dead. He wasn't a little dead. He was a lot dead. And that's the way they wanted. Right after that, in 45, the case started crumbling and falling apart. So now, when um, Vito comes back, right, and this is in 45, and the case starts crumbling by 46 the case is over now he wants to make a move remember he left as underboss now he comes back and he's not really the fair-haired child and the prime minister is in charge of the family that would be frank costello and frank was not an enforcer frank was an earner the brains of the operation And Luciano, which from that point on, from that time frame, the family is still called the Luciano family. He's been arrested in 36 
and he was sentenced to, I think it was 15, 20 years, something like that, but the government ends up deporting him back to Italy and he can't come back to America. So he's trying to run the remnants of what's left of his family, the Luciano family, <clears throat> through Frank Costello. And his underboss would have been Vito. And Vito was the enforcer. But remember, Vito flees back to Italy during the war uh, for that very reason. And, you know, he didn't want to go to, he didn't want to go to jail. So now they come back at 45 after the, the war, and uh, Vito's not the fair-haired child. Still has position, still has, there's a lot of fear of him. He is still an issue to be dealt with, and he is an enforcer. So he does have a position of captain, and eventually he does fulfill the position of underboss all over again. But he doesn't want underboss. He wants the whole thing. And he plots his his um, coup d'etat with a lot of strategy, and he goes for it in 1957. So basically, he waits almost 12, what is it, 12 years to make his move. And he made his move with uh, Carlo Gambino, which was newly appointed in that family and sat on the commission. Didn't have to worry about the other ones on the commission too much. And uh, the plot they come up with is they're going to take two shots at good old Frank as he uh, gets dropped off in his apartment building in Manhattan right there in the lobby. So Vito puts one of his hitters together, a guy by the name of The Chin, and takes out his gun, his revolver, sees uh, Costello when he walks in, screams out, hey, Frank, this is for you, and he lets him have it. But what happens is the bullets skin is at the top of his skull. He doesn't die. But it was enough to get rid of the prime minister at that point, Vito had made his point. He was going to take the leadership either by grace or by force. And the grace thing for 12 years didn't work. So he was going to do it by force. By that time, Luciano in Italy was having a very difficult time running the family from such faraway distance. So in 57, Vito takes over, but he wants to be crowned boss of bosses now. His ego was so big that he would not take a humble position. Now remember, this is supposed to be a secret society where you don't really telegraph who you are or what you're doing, but he insisted on this meeting. Now, this commission meeting is going to have to be attended by there were up to 26 families back then. So all these people have to attend this, this. And they just had several years, I believe it was, prior to this, a commission meeting. So to do it again was ludicrous because they really only meet like once every five years. But he wanted to be... Uh, crowned 
boss of bosses. He wanted to lay down the law. And they went to Appalachia up in upstate New York. And, of course, the story there is a police officer noted all these out-of-town license plates and took curiosity to it. I think that's all a bunch of baloney. There must have been a, somebody dropped a dime in a payphone and told the local state police, hey, you got a mob mafia commission happening in your little town. So about 60 mafiosos were arrested and detained, and uh, including Vito, and that did not go well for Vito's resume. Shortly after that, uh, Vito is a little humiliated by this blunder, and uh, a Puerto Rican drug dealer comes out of nowhere by the name of Nelson Cantalopes, and he basically lifts up his hand and says, I have a question, I have a testimony. Uh, Vito's been contacting me for drug deals. And it's the frame job. And the frame job worked. It was reported that even Luciano chipped in the $100,000 payoff to the false witness. And uh, as a result, Vito was cast away. Now, the Sly Fox has always been one that has... The fingers have always pointed towards him, and that is... Carlo Gambino. Gambino was ruthless with behind the scenes and he knew that Vito was going to be a problem in the long run and he didn't want to fight against him. So what he did, I'm sure he was a part of that conspiracy and with others and uh, they railroaded Vito and he was gone. But although he wasn't physically gone, he went to prison while he was there, he took care of business. He got rid of a whole lot of people. And that one of those individuals ended up going to federal prison with him in Atlanta. And that was Joe Valachi. And of course, if you've ever seen the Valachi papers, who's that star? Uh, Charles Bronson plays in that, the Valachi papers. That's an old movie. And um, he starts squealing. And that's the first official rat in the mafia, the LCN, Joe Falacci. As a result, because since Vito couldn't play with his toys and he didn't really play well with others, he decided, I'm just going to whack everybody from prison. I'm going to give out orders. And eventually, one of the guys he was going to whack ends up in a cell with him. And um, the guy asks for witness protection and all that other crap. <clears throat> and he becomes an informer. So it's very difficult to run an organization from federal prison, making it very difficult. Uh, but one of the things that Vito did was he brought back the gangster life, the thug. The, the prime minister in his realm, which is from 36 to 57, that's a long time, was known as the prime minister because he was a diplomat. He brought politicians into the fold, cops into the fold, as far as bribing people. He was not uh, known as the tough guy. Of course, he had people to do that for him, <clears throat> but he basically was a politician. Uh, 
And what happened with that type of mentality that the the criminal element in the family itself were street thug kids that were growing up and they were being earmarked to be associates and then soldiers in the family. And when the top boss really doesn't recognize who you are, doesn't care who you are, let's say you're a brand new soldier, you just got in, he didn't really care much for that. He was only talking to bosses. And so he was more and more distant. And Vito was capitalizing on that too. So Vito brings back the gangster era in the Luciano family, now, of course, known as the Genovese crime family. And as a, as a excuse me, as a favor to Vito, in 1964, one of the first squealers, or almost squealer, Ernest Rupulo, he, uh, back in 37, got pinched for something and he started talking a little bit too much to the cops, and that's what made, uh, remember, Vito run out of there as fast as his leather shoes could take him out of there and went back to the homeland. Well, when he comes back, they're, they tell uh, Ernest Rapulo, the Hawk, which is a main member, that nothing's going to happen because they found out that the case died out anyway. It didn't mean anything. And he lived a pretty long time. I mean, 37, and here it is, 64. He ends up uh, swimming with the fishes in the Jamaica Bay in Queens. And uh, it was uh, accused, one of the accused murderers of uh, Rapolo was Sonny. And we have a show coming up with Sonny. Remember I told you these shows are all, these characters are all intertwined. We also have another show coming up on the Prime Minister. So it's, it's talking a little bit about the power base of the mafia at the time. So... Of course, uh, Sonny was acquitted of all that, and that was back in 64, but uh, Ernest uh, Rapolo ends up uh, swimming with the fishes. They put uh, anchors around his his ankles and threw him into the bay, but somehow got out and plopped back up, and bingo, he was spotted. Vito ends up dying himself on February 14th, Valentine's Day, in 1969 in federal prison. His era was short as boss. His era as boss was difficult. But his era as boss instilled the thug life back. He was known to be high in um, selling narcotics when he was in Italy, he had made a lot of these contacts from 37 to 45. And he was going to take advantage of that. So he brings a different mindset uh, prior to what Luciano had done in 31 with the commission. The rules are the rules and they stayed the rules. But the thug life came back. And prior to 31, they were, you remember, you know, the Tommy gun just shooting each other down. 
and no questions asked. But now, all of a sudden, the commission now, more uh, through the negotiational process, less people are dying. And, uh, but Vito brought back that thug life that a lot of the troops <clears throat> were looking for. The Genovese family is known as the Ivory League of Mafia. It is the biggest La Costa Nostra family in the United States with over 200 members. That is pretty big. If you think about that, a member might have 10 to 15, 20 associates under them. So start doing the multiplication on that one. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit on some other podcast why it became so big. And of course, with the bigness came the power. Following uh, Vito's death, what emerged shortly after his death was the beginning of the street boss or the dummy bosses for the Genovese family that exist up until today. Federal authorities today, I'm not talking about yesteryear here, talking about today, have difficulty naming who is the boss, the underboss, and the consulary of the Genovese family. That's how good they are of hiding who the real boss is. After Vito's death, the family goes to Lombardo, and we're going to have a, a episode on him. And he was the ruling figure behind Vito. But he was ranked as a capo to federal authorities. The street bosses were emerged. The phony boss was propped it up. And the other four families or the other families around the nations would deal with the phony bosses. The phony bosses knew who the real boss was. That's all that mattered. So if they needed approval on something, they knew who they had to talk to. And uh, that exists today. So they are very, very good at that. The Genovese family, as I said, is not at the power base it once was from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, but it's still a power uh, to be reckoned with. They still run seaports and Fulton Fish Markets and seaports in New York, New Jersey, Miami. Uh, they are influential in unions. They're influential in a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff in the music industry as well. In Hollywood, uh, you name it, they have their hands in it. So we wanted to start off with this episode with Vito. I normally would have, another somebody else would have said, you know, why don't you start with the prime minister because he's prior to Vito. Now, I wanted to start with Vito because the thug life is the underlying factor here. That's why we needed to, to kind of accent that. But again, as we always say, we're not glamorizing the mafia life or any part of it. 
We're telling you how these individuals existed back in yesteryear and today and how law enforcement has to deal with it. It's very frustrating. Their outcomes are all the same, prison or death. And in this case, Vito had taken both. He went to prison and he ended up dying there. The song of the week that we have, well, as I you caught me on it, as you came on early today, one of my favorite Elvis songs, Kentucky Rain. I remember being young, you know, I was about eight years old or something, and uh, listening to Elvis on the radio <clears throat> every now and then. And then Kentucky Rain, because I love that. I would love that. And um, I remember uh, 1972, 73, when he did the television series thing from Hollywood 1.2 billion people picked up that show of Elvis you know the cape the karate moves Ah, amazing so the month of uh, March what we're going to be doing on the song of the week we're going to focus on a group or singer for uh, the month so that way you there's kind of like a steady blend of music. I'm not going from one extreme to the next. So we'll be getting some more Elvis as the month has not run out. But Kentucky Rain. Up next, your eyes look at the target in combat. 141 with Kilo Sierra. Hopefully, I haven't contacted him, but I'm pretty sure he'll be on with me. And here's the deal on this episode coming up when you are in a combat situation your eyes are in combat are looking at the target you're going to shoot at but the principles of shooting when you're learning shooting they tell you don't look at the target look at your sights we're going to discuss the difference between sights how you trained and combat when you're looking and uh, Kilo does a course, a course on uh, point shooting and the importance of that too. But we're going to also talk about the different types of sites and how that varies. And a lot of people want to go to optics, optics, and we're going to talk about that too. So that's going to be a good show. We're going to have more shows on guns, guns, guns. Remember, Kilo Sierra said here, Last time he was with us, he was thinking about going on a, <clears throat> a blog, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna keep him on his toes when he comes up on 141 and ask him what's going on with that. So, as always, it is my honor, my pleasure to be your host on Raider Cop Podcast. Continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for your friends, for your community for the agencies, police agencies that serve you in your community. And most importantly, continue to pray for our great nation, the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out.
Four three two three. 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 Four three two